Good morning. It's a beautiful day out there. All right. I have one announcement that's not in your bulletin. Remember, this is the first Sunday, and just recently was allowed to go back into the guest house to sing. So at 3 o'clock today, we'll be singing at the guest house if anyone wants to come along and join us in all the old hymns that they all enjoy and we enjoy. Also, uh, I don't think it's any news to anybody, but uh, our new pastor and his family got moved into their house. Without my help. <laughs> I saw the little notice said, since they had a crew of professional movers, only able-bodied, I thought, oh, my back's killing me. <laughs> so I didn't come. <laughs> but they managed without me. Boo-hoo. <laughs> oh, let's see, any other announcements? Um, I think that's it, unless somebody else is aware of one. I want to, uh, let me see, we're told in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 to pray without ceasing. In Luke 6, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now that's talking about Jesus. Prayer is not a difficult to understand. It is difficult to do. When was the last time your heart was so grieved for those you were in, interceding for that your entire body agonized along with your mind and heart? Now I want to let you know that this is a little excerpt from a devotion book I have. And it challenges me too. So don't think I'm, that I fit this like I should. We are a generation that avoids pain at all costs. That is why there are so few intercessors most Christians operate on the shallowest levels of prayer, but God wants to take us into the deep levels of intercessory prayer that only a few ever experience. Deep, prolonged intercession is painful. It involves staying before God when everyone else has gone away or sleeps. It involves experiencing brokenness with the Father over those who continually rebel against Him. How many of us will experience this kind of fervent intercession? When we do not feel like praying is precisely the time we ought to pray. Why not accept God's invitation to become an intercessor? Don't allow yourself to become satisfied with shallow, self-centered praying. Stay with God in prayer until He leads you to pray at the level He wants. Now, if that's our challenge to me and to y'all, to pray without ceasing. Now that doesn't mean you pray every second of the day. But be in a prayerful mood. If you see a need, pray about it. And when you do pray, pray fervently and deeply. Oh, let's see. If we have any visitors out there, and we probably do, uh, there's a connect card in the songbook rack in front of you. Fill that out and just either lay it on the seat or drop it in that drop box on the back, which is also where we put our offerings. Or if you want to give online, you can uh, give at uh, Cyber Street slash give. And so 
Let's go ahead and go to the Lord with our worship service this morning. And I'll turn it over to our music department. Before we start our praise and worship this morning, we have some June birthdays and anniversaries that we would like to sing to you this morning. Do you have them on there? Okay, go. she's going to display them so you'll see who exactly we're. Well, we have a bunch, don't we? That's Mage. Let's see. June? Okay, it's right. Okay. <laughs> yes, that is June. All right, let's, let's go ahead and sing happy birthday to everybody, okay? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday, God bless you, happy birthday to you. Now our anniversaries, happy anniversary to you, happy anniversary to this morning as we begin our, our song service. I would like to, to um, read a, a scripture first. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I am a child of God. Temporary song for us this morning. Who you say I am? 
Children, you can go to your classes at this time.
yesterday before I get you up here, I need to make this level level. It just, it's, I can see it, it's sloping that way. <laughs> no, it's good enough for us. We don't, Ray doesn't need any introduction, so I'm just going to say, Brother Ray, come on up here and bless us with what God has laid on your heart. Good to see each of you in the house of the Lord today. Uh, enjoyed that singing, by the way. That was great. We got a lot to be excited about. The hunts are in the house. Man. Last night I was looking over my sermon there in my bed, you know, and uh, I said, they're here. <laughs> they were. Maybe two more Sunday, one more Sunday, one more Saturday night will be set free. We're so excited. I appreciate everybody that came uh, to help and the ones that didn't come that prayed for us. And I know there's other opportunities. Just get with Matt and Nicole and uh, have opportunities to maybe help a little bit around there. Do whatever they got uh, to do and get the office this week and all that uh, this week. Uh, John and Joanne, it's been a, personally, I wanted to say, a joy to meet you guys. I just have fallen in love with y'all. Y'all are awesome. So, kind of see a little bit what's going on there. And the kids are amazing as well. So, thank you for being here. I um, also want to say praise for the folks that have beat COVID. And I won't name names, but we've had several. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's good. I've seen several here today that... Uh, have beat that and some that didn't get it praise the Lord so we thank the Lord for that and some who are traveling all over and decided to come home we're glad to have them here too no names on that but they know who they are and they'll they'll actually uh, uh, actually last week's message was for them I think the travelers wasn't it <laughs> this is a little different today okay so we've been in a series uh, called Fixer Upper. And uh, especially for the new folks, it's, um, you know, just using that TV show with Chip and Joanna Gaines where they go in and fix up a house. And we're taking room by room and we're going through and talking about the things that are associated with that. So since this irritates Dale, I guess I can adjust it a little bit, kind of adjust it back up. Because I did not, we messed with it, and I did not adjust it. But basically, we, we started with, actually we got out of tune because of Mother's Day and talked about the kids' rooms, so it's talking about raising families and the kids. But then we started with the foundation and the concrete and setting the deal. Then we've remodeled other rooms, and we, we had a good time last week. with We had the family room where we talked about liking those you live with and that you love. And we talked about the game room or the fun room last week, and that was, uh, that was fun. Today we talk about the home office. Do y'all know what this is? Anybody ever seen one? Anybody ever seen one of these? Back in the day? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I remember, tell you how old I am, for my graduation gift... And yes, I was, uh, I was kind of a, a strange dichotomy of a young man, but I asked my parents uh, for a calculator. I was going to be a medical doctor. That was kind of my goal at that point. And I asked my parents for a calculator. And this calculator 
was about, it, it, you know, a small one I could take to college. They didn't have the TI out yet, the Texas Instruments ones out yet. But it was about that big, that tall, about that thick, and it was $103. And all it did was add, subtract, multiply, and divide. <laughs> $103. And I remember telling my graduate students, I taught a course one time in, uh, in parametric uh, statistics, and they could buy a calculator that did almost anything, a TI 35 or whatever, that was like 1995, and did <laughs> everything you can imagine, you know. And, they, and of course now we don't even need one, we got a phone. I still use that app a lot, by the way. <laughs> The calculator. So we're going to talk about the home office. This probably isn't the funnest, you know, topic in the world. I'll do my best, but it's kind of cool. We're doing home office, and today we have a business meeting where we're going to update the bylaws. But I'll tell you, we'll try to have fun with it anyway. Okay. Um, and this is an area that causes all kinds of problems, and man, is it related to what's going on today. A friend of mine in college shared a story when we were in Houston, and he was working, he's one of these guys that worked out, a very uh, good athlete, and he was in downtown Houston working at a, a place, a, a, a club, a weight, weight type uh, club, and I remember, that's the only time I ever joined one was in college too, Nautilus, they had this thing. and. It was in the Exxon uh, building, and this Tenneco Exxon executive was there, and he uh, also had a criminal lawyer that was there, and as they were uh, changing clothes and all that's putting his suit aside and all, he just stopped and sat down, you know, huffed and said, life stinks. Now my friend said, you got to understand, this guy owns a brand new Mercedes Benz, back when that was a big deal. You know, now they make you know, $40,000, $50,000 Mercedes-Benz. Back then, they didn't make them that cheap, you know. And it was a lot of money. Said he had, at that time, this is the, you know, back many, many years ago, let's just say a long time ago, okay. He had a $5,000 Rolex watch. He had a $1,000 plus suit on. And he began to share how he had everything. He had the home, the wife, the kids, the fame, lots of money, but something was missing. Well, obviously it was when he says life stinks. And here's what I want to share with that, and you've known folks that way too. I told you I've had the privilege to get to know about five or so pretty famous people in life, multimillionaires and of course on TV and all that. You can have everything everything you can imagine that the world tells you to have and have absolutely nothing that really matters. There are only certain things that stick. There are only certain things that will bring you through. In fact, we'll talk about this later, but the Bible talks about it in an illustration form of building a house on a rock. When you build it on a rock and you take uh, a hammer drill and you go down in that concrete, or better yet, when you set your slab, you put anchor bolts that go way down in the concrete that's up, and you build your house on that. Well, you know, when things go crazy and the winds come and the tornadoes come, the hurricanes come, the floods come, the house don't float up. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's there. But if we build our house on this stuff today that's so wishy-washy, throw away, if we build our life on that, 
It just isn't anything that can help us. So I have a text. It's very short today, which is really unusual. Yeah, bless you, Brooke. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 16 and 17. NLT. On your outline there. It is better to have little with fear for the Lord than to have great treasure with turmoil. A bowl of soup with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. What do you think of that? I should have used that when I was dating and poor. I'm just telling you, I should have used that. And I never had that thought till just now. It just... Man, that should have, I should have used it. But no, it's true. I'd rather go home a lot of times. You know, we eat out a lot and there's a lot of things going on. But sometimes you come home from a trip and particularly if your stomach's not maybe, not just say, honey, I just want soup. We'll sit there and have some soup. Or particularly if she cooks her homemade broccoli and cheese soup or something and or potato soup and it's homemade. And, or my mom, oh bless her heart, you know, the, the uh, vegetable soups that she would make at home. And just sit there and eat and talk and relax. That's better than being at, you know, the best restaurant in anywhere with somebody and it's real stressful or you don't really love them. So little is much when God's in it. That's, that's kind of what we're going to talk about um, there with your outline. The fa first few facts I want to run through due to time, I'm going to go a little faster today. Family finance facts. First of all, it is a universal family struggle, finances are. The business aspect of a family, dad and mom, and sometimes it's dad, sometimes it's mom, sometimes they share the duties, but they have to pay the bills, they have to go in there and get things ready for the CPA, or, or maybe they do their own taxes and all that. But it's a family struggle, and it's very, very common. How many of you can raise your hand and say, at one time, my family, my marriage, and all went through some pretty good struggles? Anybody? Come on, be honest. Okay, young people, look around. You're not alone, okay? And here's the thing. If, if we can make it, you can make it, all right? That, that's what I'm talking about. Also, secondly... It is also one of our greatest sources of stress, which kind of goes around with being a family struggle. It's, it's one of our greatest sources of stress. I would say, all the research shows, and even in my ministry, it's the second most common prayer request I have. The first would be to, uh, to physical needs, you know, urgent health needs. Uh, and, and reoccurring physical needs. But second to that would be things related to finance or bad decisions we made or struggles or whatever that's related to that. And it's also, as I'm going to talk about the, the third one, it often, often creates conflict. And it does, especially in a marriage, many times, thirdly, it often creates conflict. And we can be honest and say, how many of us can say we've argued over money today? You ought to be smiling. I don't think, you know, Dana and I have been married for almost 50 years and we have a great marriage, but every now and then, and she's, a, she's amazing, don't get me wrong, but every now and then we argue over some finances and I'll talk about it a little bit later. I'm like, really, honey? I mean, you know, really? Of course, when I want to spend it, it's okay. You got to understand that. 
Number D, item D. Another family fact. It can become a consuming topic. And we need to be careful about this. It can become addictive. In fact, there are, there are addictions that are related to this. There are workaholics. And I know our society used to really admire that and, and, and honor that, and I'm a self-confessed workaholic. But that's not really what the Bible says. Secondly, there are spendaholics. That's a new one. If I, I know five family members that if they have it, they spend it. The billfold is never very thick. You know what I'm saying? If it gets thick, oh, I got to get this thing down. It hurts back here. You know what I mean? I know people that if they make $20,000 a year, they spend twenty-eight. If they make fifty, they spend seventy. If they make a hundred, they spend a hundred and fifty. You know, just spend, spend, spend. And there's also debtaholics, and those are folks that. And let me tell you, we've learned this because of the savings and loan crisis and other things. The government is not your friend. They're, what they make a decision of saying, yeah, the, the businesses that say, yeah, you can borrow this, you can borrow this, no problem. You want to go take a vacation to Disney World this year? Come by, we'll mortgage your house. You can go, you know. They're not always your friend. And so debt is so, so high. It's really, really cr crazy. I saw a newspaper article a while back where Gabrielle and Jose on October 15th last year got engaged. They bought a lottery ticket October 15th. October 16th they won the lottery and it was only $75,000. It was a small one. By the way, how much of that is theirs? About half, maybe. All right. October 17th they split up because they couldn't decide how they were going to spend the 75 and who it was. So it lasted, the engagement didn't even last three days. Jesus was in the grave longer, you know, didn't make it. And, you know, there's a famous story where a couple uh, wins the Powerball lottery, and it was millions, and y'all know that. And they said, honey, pack the bags, we've got the big numbers, you know, they come up or whatever. And by the way, if I win the lottery, it will be a miracle because I've never bought a ticket. Okay, I'm just telling you. But all the night, oh honey, boy, pack your bags. Well, okay, well where should I pack for? Where are we going to go? I don't care, pack everything because you're out of here. Now see, that's what I'm talking about. That, that's that's kind of the thing I'm talking about. And then finally on there, finances can lead to destruction of homes. As I just mentioned, it can lead to destruction of homes. Larry Burkett, who passed away several years ago, was head of... Christian financial concepts and kind of popular uh, before Dave Ramsey and all. And in his book, he, he has a quote and it says, financial stress is the leading contributor to divorce in the United States. And this was back in the 70s and 80s and 90s. So it definitely is a problem and it's something that we have to address. So what's the best way to beat financial stress? What's the best way to make the home office become God's way in doing things? And I'm glad you asked. The first one is the best way to beat financial stress is to not put it on yourself. It's to not put it on yourself. There are some things in life that we have no control over. I agree with that. In fact, right now we have no control over gas prices. 
For the first time, I'm actually thinking about, well, I want to go to my camp. And normally I wouldn't even think about it. I'm going, well, maybe I need to plan a trip to my camp. <laughs> you know, when I go, spend the night and stay longer or whatever. I, my truck, I've never, you know, gone to just fill it up and bless your heart filling U-Hauls up. I don't even want to imagine what, what two 26-foot U-Hauls uh, at six miles a gallon or whatever would do. But anyway, you know, it's $100 and the and I'm never, I, I mean, only during the hurricane did this happen. I go to fill up my truck and it stops at 100 won't let me put more in. They don't want my money after 100 I don't know if it's like we just don't know how to go over 100 you know, what, what, what the reason is, it just stops. And so you have to start over. And I had a friend that had an old, I love this old boy, bless his heart. He was driving a 97 family van, a 1997. Not 1897, but 1997. Looked like it was 18. It was so, and he filled his van up. And it was $85. And he said the van wasn't worth $85. <laughs> And it probably is telling the truth. It's a hunk of junk. Two homeless guys were talking the other day. And once this homeless guy was saying, well, I, I had it all. I had a nice house, a beautiful wife, a nice car. And then I went to the gas station. You know, <laughs> I love this one. I saw it. I had to say this. I have a wife and two cars to feed. That's, my, that's one of my favorite. And I, I got a neighbor down at some land I own, and she started buying goats. She said it's too expensive to run the lawnmower. So she has goats and a, literally a pretty cool sheepdog that keeps them out of the road and, and all of that. And I guess if things get bad, you could eat your goat, you know. <laughs> I, I imagine... Terry, it won't be long till bankers will have people come in, sit down with them, and they need a loan to buy gas. You know, that'll be, so you want to buy, not a home, gas, you know. So some things we can't control, but all that joking and, and all that aside, and it's serious today what's going on, but most financial stress are not about things we can't control, but about things that we can control. We can't control the price of gas, but we can control when we're purchasing a vehicle, whether to get a 10 mile per gallon vehicle or a 40 mile per gallon vehicle. You follow what I'm saying? There are some things we can do. We can plan our trips. We don't just get in the car and go. We might have to plan our trips. So for most people, we get into financial problems in a pinch because of choices we make. And young couples, it's the best way to, way to beat financial problems is just don't get in them. Don't start and let them sell you into that debt. Just don't get into them to begin with. And I have on your outline, our attitude toward money, not the absence of money, causes the biggest problems. And there's a couple scriptures I want to read. Proverbs 22.7, obviously like our text written by the wisest human ever to live, Solomon says, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. And in other words, you're always kind of beholding to the borrower. 
And the world doesn't teach you this, but the biblical example of that is to really say, basically, there, you know, don't borrow money for very many things. In fact, Dave Ramsey, I think, has two things you can borrow money for. Your home, you almost have to do that. You borrow money for your home. And if you have a plan in an educational system that will turn out to give you a job of employment or a calling, then yes, an educational loan and a government loan to, to, to do that. Uh, but just to go to college, how many of you know you can go to college today? I learned this because of my daughter. You go to college and literally kids can go to college and live and make money going to college. At the end they graduate with a big debt, they're probably not employable. Do you follow what I'm saying? That can happen today. And even though the parent, in my case, was paying the bill and I taught at the university and had scholarships and all this, being an employee, I didn't, I didn't have to give permission for my daughter to borrow the money. I never was approached. She could borrow just $10,000 as a student loan because that's what it costs to live, even though she's living with me and eating with me. And so a lot of that are our decisions. A lot of those are things that we make, and, and it's important to note. Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. In other words, the have it now, I gotta have it now, leads to a lot of things, including the ease of credit card debt. So, that's important. Let's don't put it on ourselves when at all possible. Number two, learn the skills of money management or wear the scars of mismanagement. Learn the skills of money management or where the scars of mismanagement. In addition to attitude, there are some actual money skills. And here's what I'm telling you. As a professor and working with students and all those years as a psychologist and a manager, here's, here's what I've learned. Today we're not teaching young people about money. In fact, a friend of mine's a banker, and they offer free classes. They come to churches, youth groups, everywhere. I'm sure, Terry, your bank does the same thing. They'll be happy to teach kids about money because they're probably not getting it home. I'm being honest. It's, it's really changed. And it's just like all of a sudden we're an adult, we get a job, we have a car, an apartment, we pay utilities, we food, food, just like mom and dad did, but nobody taught us some of the principles. And there's many ministries out there. There's financial concepts, Crown Ministries, um, Dave Ramsey's is uh, something peace, Financial Peace University, something like that and all. And you know you hear sometimes he's pretty rough on the phone or on the uh, radio, excuse me, on the phone radio uh, with people and he's pretty bold and he's pretty rough but he's popular because he's telling you the truth. You know a lot of what he's telling you the truth. And especially when he has 28 year olds and 30 year old couples that three years ago were swimming in debt and today they're debt free and they get all excited as well. And in my pre-marriage counseling and all of my pastors that really do a, a lot of that, um, you know, mine's about 12 hours long in the whole process, which I know is nothing compared to uh, the whole life of marriage. But financial stuff and office stuff is always a big part of it because it is so important. And I was so blessed. Oh, was I blessed. I told many of you that when I moved to, from Louisiana to Kansas, 
You know, I was somebody here. I was a school officer. I had friends here. I kind of had a little girlfriend here. You know, everything was here. My grandfather, who was my buddy, my, my hunting partner, my fishing guy was here. And my dad, being a minister, gets a call to Hutchinson, Kansas. I had to look it up on a map. You know what I mean? And what real cool, he said, just take the whole country and point right in the middle. And he was right. We were literally in the middle of the country. And I, I think in my life, it's the first time I remember crying. I cried most of the way up there. It was tough. It was the best thing that God ever did to me in my family life and all. Sometimes moves like that, all that, I could go on and on with how God blessed. So many ways. And one of them is called Dana, of course. <laughs> Definitely. But the youth group up there was amazing. It had two leaders. One was actually a band teacher who was a, truly a Christian psychologist. Gifted by God and his wife. The other was a credit union manager who was gifted in finances. His wife was the church secretary. Two couples. They took the youth on vacations with them. They were wonderful. But he sat down with us every year and went over finances. So the, by the time I was 16 or 17 years old, I knew the rule of 72. I knew about compounding interest. I knew a lot of things, and here's something he did. He said, Ray, when you buy your first car, which I still wish I had, FYI to all y'all who buy a car. I had a Dodge Cornet, basically a roadrunner, like a Plymouth Roadrunner, okay? Today I could get a hundred grand for it. I paid $1,650 for it and thought I was gonna die. I didn't know if I could make the payments. I mean, you know, but remember, everything's relative. When you're making a dollar an hour, $1,600 is pretty big, you know. And I remember that. And he put us up in, in the credit union, and we had a plan, and I paid my payment. And when it got near the deal, he called me in, and he said, you're going to pay it off soon, but you're not going to stop. Why? You go, have, have I done you right yet? Just remember the rule of 72? Yeah. Okay. When I got done with that, I kept paying the payment. I owe Ron Ogle, he's the only one alive of those four. Uh, I owe Ron Ogle a lot. Because on that day, he said, you're going to keep paying your payment. And you're going to keep paying your payment. And the car was good. It was great. I went off to college and all that. My whole life, my parents never had to give me a car. I take it back. They loaned me one one year after I got married the first year. Loaned one. After that, I have never, ever, ever had to borrow money for a car. Why? I paid it off, and then what did I do? Built up the money, and not now, but back in the day, if you went in with cash and the car, I remember buying a 78 Chevrolet Impala, and it was like $5,000. I paid 36 for it, 3600 my truck that I drive now was 42000 I paid twenty eight for it. I'm just pointing out things that I'm not bragging on myself. Please understand, people poured into me, gave me wisdom, learned skills, and it was awesome. And it helped me. 
And there are people out there that will teach you, and like I said, Dave Ramsey's course and other things as well. Proverbs 23.3, a prudent person foresees the danger ahead, takes precautions. The simpleton, <laughs> that's a nice word, he's just a simpleton, goes blindly on and suffers the consequences. Proverbs 19.20, get all the advice and instruction you can and be wise the rest of your life. Take advice. I know there's people that know stock markets better than me, and I've had one guy really ruin me almost, and I've had another Christian guy I use now that's amazing, and is blessed, and God has blessed him and blessed me. Number three, it takes a team effort to make family finances work. A team effort. Jesus in Mark uh, 3.25 says, A home divided against itself is doomed or can't stand. Do you agree with that? Family finances are very important and we don't tend to mention that today. The, it takes the kids, and by the way, just being around the Hunts kids, they're amazing kids. As of today, they're amazing kids. Okay? <laughs> You got to keep living every day, Quentin and Peyton. You got to keep doing it. But they're amazing. They're concerned about things. I, I saw that. I want to brag on them. But kids, you know, and I know little guys can't do it because <laughs> my grandson thinks whatever it is, that's what we get. Chicken nuggets, Johnny's Pizza. It don't cost anything. You just take that thing out of your billfold and th that takes care of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I'm saying it takes the kids, the husband, the wife, and sometimes as the leader, whether it's the husband or the wife, financial person, there's lack of communication. And I know that's a hard thing to talk about and it takes discipline, but a lot of times we don't communicate and we need to communicate. God wants us to communicate, be not a divided house and be frugal with our purchases. Many, many couples and particularly the people we lift up, the, the athletes, the jocks, I'm like, oh, you're going to be millionaires. You're going to be gazillionaires. I've told you the story of my brother who was a great golfer. Great golfer. And, but his golfing coach told him there at high school, college scholarships were offered to him and all that. And he said, Todd, there's really only about, at that time, a hundred golfers in the world that make a livable income, and 50 of them make a tremendous income, okay? But there really aren't that many. Golf pros don't even really make that much. So have you a daytime job? And he became an engineer. Thank you, Jesus. He's made more through all those years than he ever would have made in golf. You know what I'm trying to say. Doesn't mean you don't go for your dream, but you can do both. And so those are wisdom and things that come on. Use common sense. Check the price. And look, watch these stores. I got ripped off by Brookshire's. And yep, I want it online. <laughs> you know, you go down for the church. I was buying Cokes. And it was four for $10. And all, and something came up, and we were going, and, and I go in and I get four for ten dollars. And the gal goes, Well, uh, sorry, uh, somebody's already done four for ten dollars on here. I said, Was there a limit? Yep, you can only get, you know, one. That's all you get. And I read the thing, and it didn't say, Well, that's the way it is. So, how much is just one 12 pack? I'm talking 12 pack of Coke, right? Four for ten. That's pretty awesome, right? One of them was eight dollars. <laughs> 
It was hard, but I bought the one. <laughs> you know, I bought the one. And you have to be careful. I had a pastor friend of mine who'd never go shopping, and his wife sent him to get stuff, and one of the deals was she's real frugal and real good, and said, hey, go buy these cheese, and if they're two for five dollars, or, or, or two fifty a piece for this type of cheese, you can buy it. Well, he, he you know, saw that, you know, you can buy six packs if you do, if they got it on sale like it says. So he bought his stuff, came home, he was so proud of himself, she's looking it over and goes, Whoa, honey, I think you paid too much for this and all. So anyway, he took it back up there and he paid like two for 14. Big difference. Because he got the wrong SKU number with a little different flavor. I mean, I've learned, especially at the store I just mentioned, that it better be the exact same one they've got if it's a steal. You ladies know what I'm talking about. Us guys, if it's cheese, it's cheese. <laughs> Give it to me, you know. You know, it don't work that way. And then, if you don't think there's a God, this pastor went and got the one, came back up, wrong one, wrong, the third time he had the wrong one. And this, this is true. He said, I told her, slap me. And she did. The checker slapped him. Not hard, but slapped him. And I said, she did. And kind of he went back like this. You know? And he finally he said, I got the right one, right? She said, yeah, you got the right one. I was like, Lord, go help the man. He obviously does not know how to shop. You know, help it. But so then he goes over to customer service. And he got back $27 in refunds for the one little cheese thing. That was 16 trips, but he didn't have to aerobicize. He'd already got all his exercise in. <laughs> so the lights went on to that husband, that pastor. The lights went on and a little bit of appreciation for the spouse that did all the shopping and to realize that the budget they had, if he had it, they would be broke. <laughs> you know, they would be broke. So it takes a team effort. It takes a team effort. And if I had fun right now, we'd open the altars and have repentance right now of all the non-shoppers out there. Number four, we must return to God's design for money management. Money is used as a source of blessing, not as a reason for being. What is God in the United States of America? The almighty dollar. That's what the world puts it out. Everything's about money. But really money is a blessing from God that we're a steward of. Meaning God gives it to me and lets it flow through me to bless others. Yes, meet my needs and my family, but to bless others. Matthew 6 32, I believe I've lost my outline here. Just a minute. 32, 33. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about all the things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs and he will give you all you need from day to day. If you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Jesus Jesus also speaking in 6.24 earlier. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. Be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In other words, God has to become primary. Money is important. We use wisdom and all of that, but it can never be number one. So what, 
What does God want you to do with your money? And I believe with all my heart, he wants you to use it to bless your family, bless your friends, and people that have legitimate needs. God wants to, to allow it to flow through. There are ministries that depend on it, that do amazing work. In fact, probably I would say the, the businesses that do the greatest work are generally, a lot of times, ministries and charities that depend on contributions. And if we manage our money and put God first, it's amazing how it works. When we don't manage our money wisely, then we're not able to bless other people. And I believe God wants us to be frugal how we spend it, manage our money wisely, and I personally believe that we should all give 10% right off the top to God, 10% to yourself, meaning in savings for the future, and live on 80%. I personally have have done to missions and other things and, and other investments and, and try to make it on 70%. And here's what I'm telling you. You can live just as well on 80%, meaning you're actually tithing to yourself and to God, than you can ever live on 100% if you live God's way. Did you know that? In fact, the last scripture I'll have today on the outline is the only place in the Bible God says, kind of a Clint Eastwood sort of deal you know go ahead test me in this make my make my what you know test me and it's what giving if you put God first and you don't need to do it I mean I love counseling people I'm not talking about uh, this is not a tithing sermon I'm just saying put God first take care of what's first put yourself in taking care of your family and your future and then be frugal with what you do. And you go, well, I wouldn't have to. That's true. You might could loosen up, but then you're not, let me look at it, you're not given to others. You're not able to help. You see what I'm saying? You're not able to do God's work, you know, and it takes finances to do that as well. We've all seen people like the famous movie Scrooge. You know, they work all the time and they're trying to pursue things. We've all known people that way. And here's the thing, they're not happy. They're not happy. You can't serve money. You gotta serve God and then your family and, and those that you love. So, number five, we need some rearrangements. So to fix it up, we've gotta make our home office become God's office. God's home office. That's the key. And here's why. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. That includes the office. And next week I'm going to conclude with the junk room. Even the junk room. God loves all of that. Every bit of it's God's. It's his. So I, gotta, I want to close with an illustration for you today. It's a story of an investment banker who was visiting a small coastal village and he should have been on vacation. And he saw a guy who was fishing. He had docked his boat late in the morning and the guy had some really nice yellow tuna uh, fish in his boat. And the banker said, wow, those are some very nice fish. The guy said, thanks, appreciate it. Banker said, have you been fishing all night to catch that many? The guy goes, oh no, just for a few hours this morning. Wow, you caught these and you're done? He said, yes. Well, why'd you stop? Because I've had enough for my family and a little extra, I'm fine. But if you fish for a couple hours, what will you do with your time? He said, well, I usually sleep kind of late, 
I get up and go fishing for a couple hours. God blesses me. I catch enough for my family and what I need. Then I come home and play with the kids. I might even take a siesta nap with my wife. After, in the afternoon, I go to the village. I hang out with friends. And we sit around and play guitars together. Well, man, that guy's a mom, isn't he? Takes care of his family. Sees them all, takes care of them, loves on them and everything, cares about everybody, and then goes and chills with his friends. The banker said, man, you're messed up. You're just messed up. I can see him. You're just so messed up, you know. <laughs> I can really help you. This is what I do for a living. Cha-ching, cha-ching, right? You, you, you need to, if you will catch this many fish in two hours, you need to stay out all day and all night. Why? Because if you could catch more fish, yeah, well, okay, I'll catch more fish. Then you could buy a bigger boat. And then you could hire two or three guys to work for you and really bring in a haul and have all these boats coming, expand a fleet of boats. Well, then what would I do? Well, then you could cut out the middleman, open your own cannery, and then you'd be making tons of money. You could leave this village, go to New York City, and open an office, and you could create an incredible company. By the way, when he said that, we would have been done. Because I have about as much desire to move to New York City. I can't think of anywhere else I don't want to go, okay? I'm just saying. But, okay. Well, then what? I love this guy. He's just going along with it. Well, then what? Well, when your business hits its peak, you can do an IPO. That means an initial stock offering. And sell off all your stock and your company, and you'd be worth millions. And the, and the little guy goes, fisherman goes, millions? Yeah, millions. Wow. Then, well, what could I do with millions? This is the coolest part. The banker said, well, then you could retire to a little coastal village, get up and go fishing when you want to, play with your kids, take a fiesta with your, you know, hang out with your friends and play your guitar like you want to. <laughs> Boom. I was listening on the radio this morning and Casting Crowns had a song in 2002 called American Dream and it was on the radio. Basically, it talks about how hard you work and all you do and all the things we're doing. Very a neat song, good song. And in it, it basically has this. Jesus says, what does it profit a man or a woman to gain everything the world has to offer but lose your own soul? Guys, our priority in life, and boy, we live life and we deal with politics and prices and gas and all the things we deal with the stresses and all this but guys our soul take care of our soul take care of your soul yes you got to pay the bills you need to be wise and if you do that you don't stress out about it as much no doubt about it but the number one thing is our soul so under the bottom I have there under new management, under new management. When we make the house, our office become God's office and everything that's kingdom focused is number one, God's kingdom is number one, things change. 
And when we bring all our tithes and our offerings to God, when we give, when he lays it on our heart, when we're able to take care of this so we're able to bless other people and take care of our family and our first responsibility. And we're, by the way, what are we training our kids when we do this and we talk to them about money and we teach them? We're preparing them for future generations. We're building the kingdom of God even in our children. I'm so glad my dad and mom, when I mowed my first yard, you know, there's two things that he did. I went and bought a lawnmower and it was outrageously expensive back then because it was a commercial mower, a little push mower, a lawn boy. And I remember he gave me a black book and it was $103. And I'd mow a yard for a dollar and I'd put 50 cents down and give it to this account, which was paying dad back. And I kept the book. Two years later, I had two employees and a bunch. You see what I'm saying? What God taught me, the value of all that. And then I'm riding, that wasn't a fancy riding lawnmower, but it didn't have a steering wheel, it had a stick. A stick went down like that. And I'd be riding a riding lawnmower and the other guys doing this. And we didn't have weed eaters, we had edgers. You probably don't even know what I'm talking about, but that's okay, you can Google it. Uh, you know, and what a weed eater was, was a blade and you did like this in the ditch. I'll try to find one for you, Peyton. <laughs> yeah. Quentin, Quentin will show you after he gets his foot out of the boat. <laughs> He'll show you. You know, that was what we did. And all I'm saying is, do you see how that blessed? And then in my life, I've been able to do my part. And hopefully I pass that on to my daughter and my grandson. And we want to keep that going. And the kingdom keeps going. And when they see me give to missions, and they see you give to missions, and this is one of the blessings of this church. It's what you're super known for. $30,000 to missions in one year. That's our goal. And you know what? God's able to bless us more and more and more the more we do. So it's not about having to to go to heaven or oh giving grudgingly. In fact, God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. He wants you to do it because, man, God's blessed me so much I can't help. It's a joy. Amen? A joy. So Malachi, at the bottom of your outline, I told you I'd have it for you. This is the NLT. If you're doing what I'm talking about, if you do it, says the Lord Almighty, this isn't Ray Owens, God says, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you will, won't have enough to take it in. Try it. Let me prove it to you. God is saying, test me. Test me. And I have never, I remember a couple, uh, and I'm drawing a blank of the famous pastor, and it wasn't Andy, and it wasn't his dad. Oh, maybe it was John Maxwell. A couple came in and, you know, he counsels with them. They'd had marriage trouble and stuff like that. And, and God had blessed and their business had grown. And he told them, I want to put a test out. You start giving God, putting him first, and living by the principles that we, we taught. Live under these principles for your company and your personal business. At first, the home office was the business office. It grew and then it became separate company and one thing led to the other. And uh, God blessed them. And if at the end of doing this a year, you're, you're not saying it works right, I will give you your money back. About five years later, the couple came in with the wife dragging the husband and said, what's the problem? 
And he's hard to see. Very successful pastor, author, all this stuff. He goes, well, John needs to talk to you. No offense, John, it's not you. And, uh, <laughs> and he, says, he says, what's wrong? I said, look, pastor, things have been going good. We're making so much money. But now when I write that tithe check, you know, every month, it's $10,000. And it's just hard to write a tithe check that, that large. And he said, I tell you what, let me pray with you that God will reduce your income back down <laughs> to where your tithe would only be, what do you think? A thousand? And he goes, ooh, I think I get your point. <laughs> I hope God blesses you so much where your tithe is 10,000 a month. You follow what I'm saying? And yes, what will Satan do to that 10,000 a month or the 1,000 a month or the 100 a week for some of us or the $50 a week? What's Satan going to do when you get ready to write that check? What's he going to do? He's going to say, ooh, you could use that money here. And I don't care if it's a million dollars, there's always somewhere else Satan wants you to think about where that money should go. Because we always fight self and that's what Satan's going to use. But if you get in the habit of doing it and you've been convinced by it and you've seen how God's blessed, you will be set free in it. And God will bless you and I know that you will. The worship team's going to come up we're going to sing a song. And here's what I want to close with. Finances are important to God because if you Google it, I can't remember, but a high percentage of the scriptures in the Bible all over deal with basically finances, food, crops, those kind of things. It's very important. So let's make sure our home office and our office at work, if we own the company, are living under God's principles and living under his authority. Amen. God bless you. Let's pray. Let's uh, sing. Let's sing. What are we going to sing? Seek ye first. Let's stand and sing that. that you give a pastor is you you give them a love for the people that you've laid before them a special love you Lord you give us all a love for one another but God just like you do for a family you give us a love for one another 
And God, I love the people here at Cypress Street so much. And Lord, I know Matt, Nicole, their family are, are falling in love as well. And when you love somebody, you want to share the truth. And you want them to be blessed. And so God, I pray that the words that we share today, especially about finances and about a life, will be anointed by you and applied to their life. And God, I pray blessings on everyone here. Because I'm aware there are some folks here on limited income. There's some that recently have been just cut. There's some looking for jobs. So God, my heart goes out to them and I pray blessings and wisdom and open doors. And Lord, for all of us that are blessed, God, can we be open to be used by you? But God, I pray every person in this room and in the back serving the children that are part of this church family, God would be blessed in the area of your finance and would God, their home be your home. And everything that they do in their life be about their soul being in tune with you and communing with you and following your will. God, I pray this blessing. I beg it. I plead it for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen.